Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Recently, I read a book, um, and it's about a pastor that went on a mission trip to the Himalayas. And um, the book's called uh, Something Needs to Change. And um, it's not a typical book I would read, but when I read it, it spoke to me. And all it really is is kind of a, it's almost a journal of his experience there. And as he went along the trail, he went from village to village and ran into brokenness and poverty. And um, first village he ran into, he ran into a man that had an open wound, just an eye socket where his eyeball had literally fallen out. And um, it started with just a simple eye infection, but without the proper medicine, it resulted in an eye falling out. Went to the next village and at least a third of the village had died from something as simple as dysentery, which is an easy thing to cure with medicine. This preacher kept going up the trail, and one thing after another, he just saw poverty and brokenness. Uh, One of the villages he came to, um, there was so much hunger in the village, lack of water. As he passed through the village, the little kids uh, two little girls were following the whole way wanting to give him just a power bar um, a water a drink from his water and they played with him the whole way through the village and he was instructed not to give any anything to him because of the turmoil it could cause within the village like there's a way to do things and um, when he finally refused he just shut it down and said, no. The girls tried to spit on him, but their mouths were so dry, they didn't have any spit. And that's a sad story, and it made me think about, you know, what am I doing with my Christian walk? What am I doing with my Christian faith? And it really gave me an awareness of the brokenness You know, some are called to go on the mission field. Some are called to preach. And, uh, but it gave me an awareness of brokenness even in my own life. So for a time, and even now, I kind of think about how the Lord has me on a path. And there are people I encounter every day. And to be honest, they're just as broken as the people that this pastor ran into in the book, they're just as broken. Because without Jesus, there is no hope. And um, run into people every day just as broken. The only answer is Jesus. And uh, from that point on, I kind of, ministry sometimes, y'all don't, may not know this, sometimes ministry can be, you can have a day, it's kind of abstract. You're not, you leave the day and you're not really sure what you've done. And uh, so I start, I, I've started journaling, just people I encounter, whether it's pulling somebody out of a ditch or, um, you know, a lady praying with a lady at the grocery store. 
Um, I just kind of journal, uh, journal that and um, being purposeful. Because here's, here's the thing. God has called me for a purpose in North Georgia. And um, he puts people every day in my path for me to witness to, for me to look at with intentionality, to see them as Jesus sees them, and share Jesus boldly the way he wants us to share them. And here's the deal, whether you're a, a plumber or a principal, um, no matter what you are, no matter what you do, whether you're a supervisor or an employee, Jesus has people on your path that only you can reach. Only you can share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with. And um, we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 3 today. So turn in your Bibles there. And we're going to stand as we read a few verses in Acts 3. Will y'all stand with me? This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, and we'll, we'll learn why that is. Um, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And we're going through verse 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for a time of prayer at about 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg for those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned with them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then, taking him by the hand, he raised him up at once, his feet and ankles became strong. He jumped and started to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you in advance what you're going to do in our life. Lord, thank you for the people that you've put on our path. Lord, help us make an impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with. And Father, may we be intentional and not miss any opportunity that you have put in front of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. So here's a story of an ugly sight outside of a beautiful gate. The gate of the temple was covered in bronze. It was ornate. It was beautiful. It was expensive. You know, I'm thankful that we're at a church that looks outside our walls to make a difference. So many times we see churches that are concerned more what goes on in here than what goes on outside. At Peavine, we've got one thing right, and that's the main thing is the main thing. We do things to reach the lost. It's never about our preferences. 
It's never about what our likes or our opinions are, but it's how can we reach the lost. Whether that's the color in the carpet, whether that's the volume, the style of music we play, we do everything with intention to reach the lost. And we do that in a place called Peavine City, which is a made-up place that's a 20-mile radius around us. And within that radius, there's about 490,000 people in our area. Half of them claim no religious affiliation. So what's our goal? To reach 1%. And it sounds like 1% isn't that much at all. But 1% of 490,000 is 4,970. Y'all got to know I'm not real good at math. I, I, can't, I can't do math when I'm standing up. I have to sit down and take off my shoes and everything else. But it's, that's a lot. 4,970 is quite the goal to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we look at the ugly sights like as a church, we don't want to be the best church in the community. We want to be the best church for our community. And that's why we get to experience and see and reach out to the community, do things like the dental clinic that we just saw. We partner with places like Choices so that we can protect the lives of unborn children and help young ladies and young men that find themselves um, in a hard time with an unexpected pregnancy make a decision based on biblical principles. We do things to reach our community. Hey, it's football season. About every Friday, Peavine Student Ministry, we feed a football team. And, um, you know, we do that because we want to reach our community for, the, for Christ. And would you know what? Our community sees Jesus through what we're doing. They can't help it. So I love serving at Peavine because when we are a part of something so special, like we have the cause of Jesus Christ, and we're, when we're a part of that, I have no problem supporting the ministries and the cause of Christ through Peavine. Um, here's a story, though. It's an ugly sight of the beautiful gate. Just outside the gate of the temple, beggars would line up and ask for money. And um, you can imagine, you can imagine as they're coming in, like it's a perfect place for someone to set up. You know, when I go to Walmart and they're selling Girl Scout cookies, I try not to make any eye contact with those little girls. Would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? Hey, I just like the, I like Samoans, man, you know? But I try, I try not to make any eye contact. That's a perfect place for them to set up because you walk in with no cash. You're like, no, I have no cash. You know, they're expecting you know, we all hit the cash back every now and then at Walmart. You walk out, it's hard to turn them down. People set up outside the temple gate. It was a, it was a common place for people to beg. And uh, it was an opportune place. Hey, what better? Before you go worship, 
whether you're going in or going out, your conscience just might be pricked to hand out a little money, right? This guy was carried there each day. He was helpless on his own. All the church people coming and going to bring sacrifices. You know, where are you at in this picture? Are you the, are you the church folks that walk to the other side of the road, not making eye contact? The priest coming by. Deacons coming by. But you're just trying to make it through. The beggars are lined up. They're competing for a spot. You know, um, if you've ever been in a city, you see how, how people do this, how they compete for the spot. If they can just get you in a conversation. Jeremy and I went to lunch the other day, and a guy asked Jeremy and I if, he had, if we had a light for a cigarette. I guarantee you he knew we didn't have a lighter. But it's just to get you caught in a conversation so that the next question is, hey, do you mind sparing something? These guys are outside competing. And this guy, Bible says he had a disability from birth. He was immobile. It's not like he could get up and get in anybody's face, chase someone down. And Peter and John, as they're walking by, they looked intently at him. And they said, look at us. The posture of a beggar, of someone begging, typically isn't to make eye contact. Eyes are cast down. And Peter and John are looking at him with intent. He's looking at them. And they say, silver and gold I do not have. But what I give you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. I guarantee you, as soon as they said, silver and gold I do not have, this guy's going, uh-oh, i got to find somebody else. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. They take him instantly by the arms. He jumps to his feet, his ankles, his feet, the Bible says, gain strength. And he goes into the temple Praising, jumping, leaping. I don't know the difference in jumping and leaping, but evidently there's a difference. And praising God. The people in the temple recognize, hey, this is the guy that's been here all this time. And he's been healed. You know, we can relate to the beggar as well. Because on our own, on our own, when it comes to salvation, there is, we're, we're helpless. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. All fall short of the glory of God. And there's no way we can save ourselves on our own. It's like we're paralyzed, unable to do anything. This man was changed, and he was changed by the power of Jesus. When someone's truly changed by the power of Jesus, you better believe it. They're a walking, jumping, leaping, praising testimony of what Jesus did in their life. 
And this man walks in, and he's a, he's a moving, walking miracle. Peter and John took the time to give this man their attention. Think about this. Who are the people in your life? Who are your friends, your co-workers, your family that need Jesus? They're looking for the answer. You know, the cool thing about this, this guy is he asked for money and he got so much more. We understand that because when we ask, when we ask God for something... He, he typically doesn't just meet our expectations, but he exceeds them. And he doesn't do them in normal ways all the time, but he exceeds expectations. And you've got coworkers, friends, family, and they're looking for things to satisfy them, looking for things to heal their marriage, heal their finances. The answer is Jesus. Because he doesn't want to just do that. This man was not only healed physically, he was healed spiritually. Jesus always exceeds our expectations. And when Jesus makes the change, he heals us from the power of sin. He heals us from the penalty of sin. And once we're with him, he heals us from the presence of sin. Verse 10 says that the people had seen the beggar day after day and were filled with astonishment. When Jesus does a miraculous thing in your life, people will be astonished at the change. So here's how we can be purposeful with, how, with people that God puts on our path. Don't just pass the opportunity to make an impact. There are people we come in contact every day and if we're just a little more aware, we won't pass those opportunities by. You know, I asked Ronald Ramsey one Wednesday night. I was preaching this passage to dress up like a beggar on a Wednesday night and sit outside on this corner right, right over here. And um, Ronald Ramsey's a member of our church. And uh, when I called him and asked that, because, you know, I thought, hey, maybe Ronald will do it. He goes, man... I'll do whatever you want. So I got him a bicycle with a basket. I dressed it up, made it look authentic, like he had just ro rolled in. And he set up by this sign. And the thing about it was I didn't tell my youth leaders. I didn't tell kids. I didn't tell security. I didn't tell nobody what I was doing. Because, you know, that's what youth pastors do. Sometimes we just do things. And uh, he sat down with a sign that said, need help. And, uh, you know, it caused some things that night. Security wasn't real sure what to do with him. And they went to Dan, hey, did you see the guy outside on the road out there? And 
And Dan's like, yeah, I kind of, I don't think I told Dan about it. I didn't tell nobody about it. Yeah, I kind of think that's something Nathan's doing. I didn't tell nobody. My leader's coming up, and, you know, they're walking up. And I, I stand every Wednesday night, man. I love one of the best parts of Wednesday night is standing, welcoming students, calling everybody by name as they come through the door, throwing them a football, high five, whatever. And leaders come up. And I'm not going to mention names, but, you know, certain leaders come up, and they're like, hey, did you see the guy out on the road? I'm like, yeah. I wonder what he's doing there. It'll be all right. And I just tried to ignore it. One after one, they're coming. And every now and then, you'd see church members stop by a pretty good bit. And they'd talk to them, and Ronald would kind of fill them in. Yeah, I'm just, this illustration for Nathan's message, you know, this sort of thing. And uh, you'd see students, students, a group of guys get together and go, hey, let's go out there. And they scrounged up 20, 30 bucks, you know. And they, they're circled around them, and they're trying to give them money. And Ronald kind of let them in without fully letting them know, no, I'm okay. This is part of something. Just keep it quiet. And uh, so I said, Ronald, why don't you start coming your way down here? So he gets the bike, and he starts walking towards the Epic Center. And the closer he got, man, the more nervous people got. I had one youth leader, and... Um, she is all heart. And um, she's like, the only thing I have is this Bible. And I hate to give this away because this is my favorite Bible. I've had it for such a long time. But I think I'm going to just give it away. And then she goes, wait a minute. She went to her car and she had like breakfast cereal bars and waters and all this. And she starts loading them up with this little bag of groceries. And um, her husband's like, just let her do it. Just let her do it. You know, she's ready to give it all away. But, you know, we experience that sometimes even when we pull up to a stoplight. We're not real sure what to do. And I'll be honest. There are times I don't feel like the Lord compels me to give. And then there are times I run into a situation and I can't pass it up. You know? Um... I base it off what the Holy Spirit tells me to do at the moment. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come down with a voice and go, Nathan, give this to this, you know. But if I'm compelled, I'll do something about it. Peter and John were compelled to give this guy their attention. The word compelled and compassion, having compassion, they had compassion. Compassion, I, I think of compassion like this. Compelled with passion to do something. And there are times we can't just pass by. We have to take advantage of the opportunity Jesus puts in front of us. Um, you know, this is Peter and John. Remember Peter and his brother Andrew when they first met Jesus? They were fishermen. They were fishermen. And um, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's some of the first words Jesus said to these guys. Regular guys. You know? Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll make you a great theologian. Follow me and I'll teach you how to pray more. 
follow me and I'll teach you how to go deeper in your faith. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Church, part of the Christian walk is being fishers of men. And if you're not fishing, you're not following. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, it goes on in chapter 4 after Peter and John had been preaching the gospel after this guy got healed. About 5,000 were added to the church. This was right after the Holy Spirit came on the scene at Pentecost. About 5,000 got saved and were added to the church. They preach. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish people were threatened. They didn't deny the power of Jesus these guys had in them and through them but um, they did want to penalize them so they took them to jail they trying to prosecute them couldn't figure out what to charge them with one of the best statements that the Sanhedrin made about these two guys is this these are ordinary untrained men they've never been to seminary these are just good old boys good old fishermen but I can see that they've spent time with Jesus. You know, when you go through your day, along your path every day, do people see that you've spent time with Jesus? Or are you giving them a different story? When people perceive that you've spent time with Jesus, there's power in that. And they see the gospel. You, you don't have to say a word, but they know who you are and they know whose you are. Um, so don't just pass the opportunity to make an impact. Also, take a good look at the person. Peter and John took the time to look at him. They didn't worry about the uncomfortableness, if that's a word, of the situation. They took time to look at him. And see him the way Jesus sees him. Remember in Luke 19 when Jesus looked out at the city of the Jerusalem. He wept. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had mercy for the lost. Even our closest friends and co-workers and family. Have needs in, our, in their lives. Day-to-day, -day, people hide the brokenness that they live in. But for us as Christians to reach them with the gospel, we've got to see beneath the surface and see their true need is Jesus Christ. You know, if you've got a friend that's about to go through a divorce, whether the Lord heals their marriage or the Lord is present with them after their marriage falls apart, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. And we've got to take the time and look at the person, the whole person. You know, uh, I, I love FCA. FCA gets me in schools a lot of times, even in this time with COVID. And uh, when I show up for FCA, I show up with pizza. And if the huddle coach at a certain school says, yeah, we got 50 kids. Well, I'm showing up with pizza for about 75 to 80. You know why that is? 
Because I don't want to just reach what's in FCA's room. I want to reach the kids in the hall. There's a kid at a certain school, and I'm just going to say his name's John. Uh, this dude was a, a self-proclaimed Satanist. And um, I'd see John, every time I went to school, him and his group sitting in the corner, kind of withdrawn from the rest of the crowd, black, you know. Um, they were really playing the part. And um, I walked through with pizza and coolers full of ice cream. And, you know, sometimes, listen, I was a teacher's worst nightmare, okay? So um, I didn't do everything I was asked to do. I didn't do it how I was supposed to do it. I'm telling you, I was a teacher's worst nightmare. Sometimes in FCA huddles, uh, teachers get so hung up on people coming in the room before they get pizza. But me, I just want to give it away because I'm trying to reach that dude in the hall, you know? And I pass by, I'm making his name up, John, and his crew, and I'm passing by. And I'm like, hey, man, you guys want some pizza? Sure, but we're not coming to FCA. I said, I didn't ask you to come to FCA. I asked if you wanted pizza. And, you know, they're like, yeah, I guess. Dude, you know, you know the power of influence? power of influence is a mighty thing and uh, I said well here here's a whole box you want some ice cream sandwiches you know I'm dishing out I'm making it rain with ice cream <laughs> and uh, wouldn't you know it John was shocked I gave him pizza with no strings attached you know I, I tell students all the time your school is your mission field but what if we all took the time to love on the people of the world like that? This man was walking, leaping, jumping because Jesus had changed him. Peter and John took the time. Like, when you love on people the way Jesus loved on them and have compassion on them and, uh, because they're like sheep without a shepherd, the temperature changes. And people start getting saved one after another after another. Um, so, people in your path, it's time we take a good look at the person. And then boldly point people to Jesus. You're sitting there. Think of someone that you know that's lost. Someone Jesus has in your life. Does everybody have that person? Like, you can raise your hand. I know, I know. We all do. God put them on your path, and you can reach them like no one else. You can reach them better than the pastor, the youth pastor, the connections pastor. You can reach them better than anybody because God has them on your path for a reason. To reach them, sometimes you've got to be bold enough and just share Christ with them. Easy ways you can point people to Jesus. Pray with them. Just pray with them. How many times do we do the Christian thing and say, somebody tells us, they tell us something going on, and go, man, I'm going to be praying for you. You go through your day, I promise you, 
a lot of times, especially if we don't write it down and are intentional about it, we're moving on. I was in the orthodontist the other day with Janie, and a little girl came in. And um, she goes, she walked up to the receptionist's desk, and she goes, I'm sorry about my eye. I've got a black eye. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, it was three in the afternoon. About two or three guys in the office tell you, I'll start snoozing if I sit still. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I perk up. I'm like, I got a black eye. And I start listening to the conversation a little more. And it turned out she and her mom had been in a car wreck and her mom was in ICU. Well, the ladies at the orthodontist, I mean... You see the preacher in the room, you want the preacher to do something about it, you know? And uh, I'm thinking, what in the world can I do? Can we get something together, like money, like nothing? That's not going to help, nothing like that, you know? And um, I thought, goodness, I I guess I'm just going to pray for her right here. And so I just sat in, in my seat praying for her as she's going to the orthodontist. Janie gets out, and we start leaving. And she walked in on her own, I see a man sitting in a truck, and I said, I bet that's her grandfather. And something just compelled me to turn around. And I said, uh, hey, is that your little girl, your girl in the office had a black eye? He goes, yeah, yeah, they just had a car wreck and uh, right out there in the parking lot. I said, well, let me do this for you. Let me pray for you right now. We underestimate the power of prayer. We underestimate the power of prayer. And I don't know what came of that story. I don't know what came of it. But I promise you this. One, I found out this guy was a believer. He was a Christian. He'd been out of church. Of course, I invited him to church. But probably the best thing anybody could have done with him at that moment was praying with him in the parking lot. Imagine if your co-workers, when they come to you and share their business, and you say, hey, let's pray right now about this. Let's pray about this right now. And you just prayed right there on the spot. That's powerful. Of course, we can invite them to Peavine. Like, this is a non-threatening environment. It's an easy win, you know? And sometimes we just got to be bold enough to share the gospel. I got a a letter from Logan Ball. If you don't know Logan, he grew up in the youth group. He's in boot camp right now. And, um, dude, I love it when students reach out to me, you know. Uh, It makes my day. I put letters like that in a box and I keep them in my office. But Logan reached out to me and he was sharing his experience. He's doing really good in boot camp, you know. But the thing that impressed me most, he led someone that was in there with him to Christ. And he was trying to lead a guy that was Muslim to Christ, and he was asking my advice. You know, Logan, even though he's in boot camp, he realizes, he was asking about a verse I shared with him, the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. He was asking about that verse. And so I wrote him back, of course, 
Gave him the best advice I could, but the impressive thing is this. Steps of a man, or a good man, are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Logan Ball, even though he's in boot camp, realizes that God has people on the path that he's on. And he's sharing the gospel. You know, I love that. So whether... Doesn't matter who you are or what you do. Where's God got you in life? Who are the people that you need to look with intention to share the gospel with? Share the gospel with. You might be here and you relate more to the beggar because you realize there's nothing you can do on your own and you're in need of a Savior. If that's you today, I'm going to ask that you stand as we sing. But I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer. Y'all stand with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If, if you're here and you... Thank you, Nathan, for that fantastic message and the great reminder um, to us that, that we need to be aware of the needs of others around us and what they're going through, especially um, during this season of COVID. It's so important for us to be sensitive to what other people have going on in their lives. And here's the truth of the matter. Every single one of us has a need. All of us have a need that only Jesus can meet through the blood He shed on the cross. And maybe you're watching this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to tell you how you can do that because that's, that's a need that, that I know all of us have. Uh, the first thing is we need to be willing to admit to God that we're a sinner. We need to be willing to admit that we've broken God's law. We've offended God with our sin, and our sin has separated us from God. We need to understand that there's nothing we can do to fix the problem that we have with sin. And that's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for our sin so that we can have a relationship with Him. We've got to be willing to admit that we're sinners. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross and the blood that He shed paid for all of our sins. And then thirdly, we've got to confess Him as the Lord and Savior of our life. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. If you've never done that this morning, it's as simple as you telling God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that the blood that He shed pays for all of my sin. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, I want to tell you, welcome to the family. And we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. We've got a book called Welcome to the Family. We'd love to put that in the mail to you uh, this week. We've just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. If you'll click on that link, um, then we'll connect with you and help you understand, man, you are not on this faith journey alone. 
and we want to be there for you. It's been great to be in God's house this morning. I'm so thankful for our time together. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.